This show is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring once again Kirk McElhern, who is a committed podcaster and also the iTunes guy for Macworld. We'll also talk about his new Chromebook, believe it or not. We'll hear later from Rob Pegarero who writes for Yahoo, USA Today. we got plenty of good stuff this week on the Tech Night Out Live. So, Kirk, before you tell us about your Chromebook, I know when you lived in your previous home, you went through a few workarounds to get proper internet service. For a time, you even had satellite, right? I did. Um, I moved to the previous home in December of 2013, the internet was only about two megabits at the time. So obviously I couldn't live with just two megabits. That was way too slow. Um, so I got satellite internet, which was good in the beginning and then was a disaster at the end. And I canceled it after a year. It gave me roughly 20 megabits down when everyone else was asleep. But during the day, I was getting like four to six megabits when other people were using it because satellite's similar to cable where you're sharing the bandwidth with a lot of people. The biggest problem was the latency, which is the time between when you send a, a request to a website, for example, and when the website replies, because it has to go up, you know, 10,000 miles or whatever it is to the satellite in the sky and then bounce back down. When you click a link on a website, it takes about three seconds before anything happens. And that's a little bit frustrating. It It, it would be more frustrating if I was into like real-time games or something, which I'm not. Um, but it was frustrating enough on the web. One of the reasons I was able to cancel it is that over the over the, the the first year that I was there, the standard broadband speed went up from about two to about four megabits. And four megabits isn't fast, but it's certainly good enough for most of my needs other than, you know, large downloads. Well, downloading that stuff from Apple is a bit of a pain. All right. So at least you got decent service. But you're telling us that the satellite service got worse over time? It did because they, they were adding more people to the satellite. As they had more subscribers, that meant there was more demand, and they probably had set up a, a limit of the number of people on a particular, I don't know what the terminology is, maybe it's a beam, that there are a certain number of beams per satellite and a certain number of customers per beam, and if they have 1,000 or 10,000 or whatever it is, the speed is fine because not everyone's using it at the same time. And then they decide, well, we've got more customers and we've got no more beams to put them on. So we're just going to increase the number of customers per beam. And that means instead of 10,000, and I'm just estimating a number here, you're competing with 15,000 people. So obviously the bandwidth gets shared and you don't have as much bandwidth. The only solution they have is to either find a more efficient way to send and receive that data or put up more satellites, which is what, hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think it's hundreds of millions, but I think it's probably in the tens of millions, and it's certainly not cheap. 
I don't know that there's anything that they can do that's more efficient. You know, remember in the dial-up days, you could only get a connection if your ISP had a connection available. It was like a switchboard. There were a limited number of connections. And this is sort of the same thing. While it doesn't limit the number of people who can use it, you can only increase it, I would assume, to a certain extent. So really the question would be, you know, getting more satellites and, and what you then need to do is you've got certain customers going to one satellite and certain customers going to another. Remember, the satellite dish has to be targeted very precisely on one satellite. So if they move someone to a different satellite, they need someone to come and reorient the satellite dish. Of course. All right. So we understand the limits of satellite internet, and that's for people who live in places where the internet service is in the dark ages. Okay. So it got decent before you move. Now you're in a brand new house. It's not a new house. It's a lovely no, it's, home, but it's, it's a new location for me. For you, it's a new location, probably the biggest house you've ever lived in, I bet. Yeah, that's for uh, sure. Okay. It's a beautiful home. We've seen the picture of it. Now you have internet service that's pretty decent, right? Yeah. So shortly before I moved, um, last December, so we moved in June and last December in my previous house, we got what they call here fiber. What they mean by that is what's called fiber to the cabinet. Instead of copper wires going to the cabinet in your town or wherever you are, it's a fiber wire, a fiber cable. And we were about 200 yards from the cabinet. So I was getting 38 megabits down and 10 megabits up. Now, I'm now in another town where there is also fiber, but the cabinet's further away, so I only get 15 megabits down, and unfortunately, only about 1.25 megabits up. The download speed's fine. I can live with 15. The problem is the upload speed. I sometimes need to upload files that are, you know, 100 megabytes, um, 500 megabytes, and it takes a long time. Uh, For example, I was backing up my iMac to Backblaze, and I canceled my subscription because I simply don't have enough um, bandwidth to back up my Mac anymore. So is there any hope you'll get better speed, or is that what this provider can offer? Um, Over here, it's not the provider. It's the, The backbone is run by BT, formerly British Telecom, and every provider basically rents access. Um, When you move to a property, you go through whatever provider, and that provider gets the access from BT. So it won't get any better because of a provider. It might get better as they what would be the word, tune things up. The fiber was only added here in February in a town next door to the village I'm in. There are actually a lot of houses being built in that town. Um, And and I almost wonder if they're going to need another cabinet in order to serve the newer homes, in which case, if the cabinet's a little bit closer to us, which it could be, um, then we might get a better speed. Or if they, maybe they're going to fix the phone lines that go from the cabinet to this village because 1.25 is really slow. I mean, before I had 38 down and 10 up, and I'm getting, let's say, a third to a half of what I had down, but I'm not getting a third to a half of what I had going up. Um, So I really think I should get faster upload speed. I mean, I've I've questioned the ISP, and they say, well, you know, this is the speed. But maybe something, maybe it'll be improved as they increase the capacity. Maybe they'll put a better line in someplace, you know, connecting the, the larger town and the small village I'm in. There are techniques here for this. I'm not sure what you have there. VDSL or... This is VDSL. This is VDSL. Okay. Now, there are tricks they can pull. One is channel bonding, where they could hook up two lines and use electronic trickery to combine the signal from two lines 
to get you better performance. Of course, you're going to have to pay a lot more money for it. So what kind of rate are you getting for 15 down and 1.25 up? When you buy internet service here, you're, you're paying in a total, but it's in two parts. One part is the internet itself, and one part is the line rental. You, you actually have to rent a line. You, you rent a landline, basically, um, over here to get internet. So I believe I'm paying about 20 pounds a month, which includes the both. Um, I've just paid 12 months in advance for the line rental, which means I save like 20% on that. So I'm going to save, I don't know, two or three pounds a month altogether. Now, I'm trying to look at the price of the British pound, which has gone down since well, Brexit. 20, 20 pounds is about $30. Well, right now it's 26. No, it's 20, 26, yeah, $27. So your purchasing power has gone down. But well, not obviously if you're dealing with something in Great local. Britain, it doesn't mean anything. No, and, and actually, um, I, I have no shame to say that I voted to remain. Um even though it's in my financial interest to leave because most of my income, in fact, almost all of my income comes from either the US or the EU. I have very few customers in the UK. Um, so actually my income is increasing as the dollar is worth 10% more. Well, that puts it, let me tell you what I did with my internet and I'll explain it to you because I've been cutting down in anticipation of a kind of a forced move because the landlord is selling this place, which we call a slum, for reasons that anyone who looks at my address on Google Maps would realize. And therefore, we're looking for another place. We're also looking to save some money. So I'll tell you what I did in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you folks to check out the Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. We've got Kirk McElhern. We're talking about getting the best price for internet, I guess or taking what you have if there's no option, which there usually isn't. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury help desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention prescription antibiotic drug users. Have you or a loved one suffered an aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm after taking the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox? These popular antibiotic drugs have been prescribed more than 80 million times since 2004, and medical studies show an increased risk of the following injuries. Aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, 
and abdominal aortic aneurysm. If you or a loved one used the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox and suffered from aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-823-3851. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507-800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So in cutting down, I had pretty fast service with Cox, but I got to cut costs and it's near the end of the contract, which means the price goes up. So I looked at CenturyLink again. I had to deal with them a couple of years ago till the contract expired. Isn't that an interesting way of doing things? And with a special bundle that I got with them, I got 40 megabits down for $19.95 a month for a full year. For $5 more, they increased the upload speed from 5 megabits to 20 megabits. So for $24.95 a month, I'm getting 40 megabits down, 20 up. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. It's more than you need for most things. Although you are uploading your radio shows, so you do need a good upload speed. Well, that's it. But that is not much less than what I have with Cox. Okay. So that's pretty good. 20 megabits is more than I need. 
The best I can get from Cox was 30. So the difference is not that significant in the real world because the radio station server could never take that upload speed anyway. So in any case, that's a pretty good price for 12 months. Anyway, I, yeah, I think I'm getting a pretty good deal there because nobody gives you a price like that unless you agree to some kind of special deal from there. And they're anxious to build business because obviously they can't offer the speed that Cox can because they're using DSL, except for the fact that they're building out fiber. So in some parts of Phoenix, you get gigabit from CenturyLink. Mostly businesses right now, expanding to consumers. Everyone's doing that now in this country, and I think it started with Google. Is there a move in the UK or in EU countries for that? I don't think there's any gigabit internet here. There was a, a discussion. The UK, I guess the government decided that they were going to take a city and make it gigabit internet and they chose city of york which coincidentally is the first city i lived in when i moved here um three and a half years ago but i haven't heard anything since then as to whether they've actually started implementing it i'll be honest i don't see the point unless you're a business why do you need something that fast i mean do you need to be able to download a movie in five seconds it doesn't do that much to change your life well, you see, this way, everybody's getting 4K videos with high gamut color. So maybe it'll take 10 seconds. Or 30 seconds. But, you know, really, it, 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 if you can't wait five or 10 minutes to download a movie, um, then there's a problem. I mean, are, are they just doing this because they can, right? Because the technology's there and because, you know, for a lot of people, it's a pissing contest. Oh, my internet's faster than yours. If I could get gigabit internet, I wouldn't pay the extra price for it because it's really useful. No, but the thing 50... to bear in mind, though, Kirk, is that where it is offered, Google, I think, charges a starting fee of $70 per month. And there I, are other ridiculous. permutations. They also offer TV service. A normal ISP like a Cox will sell it for maybe $125 or $100 a month. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. There's no way I'm ever going to spend that much for internet. Okay, well, you make a good point there. I would rather spend $20 for internet and get 40 or 100 or something like that. In sure. fact, I think that most internet is overpriced. And I think it would be nice to be able to, for normal, regular people with normal needs, to spend, you know, $20, 30 $40, depending on the speed you want. But not the stuff 100 or $200 a month or more. I suppose the people who need lots and lots of bandwidth, maybe they should pay more. And I understand that. Because well, they're using more of a system's that. capacity. Well, businesses pay a lot more. I mean, I priced out a business plan from Cox and CenturyLink, and they start at $100. Businesses could use the bandwidth, but I just don't see individuals needing that bandwidth unless they're you know, downloading a whole bunch of torrents and they have a business um, selling pirated movies or something. Well, unless I became my own web host. But then I wouldn't be going to one of these local ISPs, I go to a company that handles that sort of service like a level three or Tata communications or something like that, where they charge thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars per month to give you high bandwidth lines, fiber directly to your facility. But even if you were running just one website, you wouldn't need that. You'd only need that if you were hosting dozens of websites. My current host peaks at gigabit 
when we have the peak number of downloads for our shows, we're doing maybe 200 megabits. That's about okay. as fast as it goes for okay. downloads. So we're getting that. And I could buy that from a business plan, certainly. But, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. If I have, you know, a data center and I'm leasing, you know, multiple gigabit lines from all these providers, like I said, for thousands of dollars a month, that makes another point. But I guess at one time we thought that maybe even five megabits down was a lot. You know, our perspective has changed. Well, there was a time when we didn't need it. And so five megabits was a lot. Um, but there are an awful lot of people who still only have five megabits. Uh, don't forget, what, what you're seeing in a city in the United States is relatively different from what a lot of people in other places see. I mean, I did have 38 in a village, you know, six months ago. And if I were a mile away from where I am now, I'd have the similar speeds. The point is, when we did have five megabits and we were satisfied with it, it's because we didn't have any files that were that big. So you, you mentioned 4K video. If you have a movie, even, let's take a long movie like Lord of the Rings in, in normal HD um, it's like eight or nine gigabytes on the iTunes store. Multiply it by four. At most, your movies are going to be 40 megabytes. It's never going to be more than that. Now, if we do go to 8K video at some point, and I don't see the logic of that, then people will need bigger files. But there's not that much more that we're going to need that will require this. I think, though, if you can give the average person gigabit then maybe the person in the small town gets 50 or 100. That's, that's always a good point, um, that if, if the fastest is higher, then the slowest is faster too. But that's not actually how it works because you're talking about changing infrastructure. Um, they're doing that a lot over here in the UK. There's a big push to get everyone. I think they've defined high-speed broadband as 20 or 25 megabits. Um, and they're saying that it's actually, they're, they're going to be treating it as a utility, that everyone has to be able to have it within a few years. Um, a lot of this is just infrastructure. It's it's the backbone fiber. So what I saw in the where in my previous home, that they upgraded the backbone to get faster internet. And a lot of it is equipment as well. Um, you know, to get faster internet, you need a different router than one that's slower internet. Um, when my internet, when I got what they call the fiber here, which, you know, fiber to the cabinet, um, they sent me a new router because it's different. As you said earlier, it's VDSL instead of ADSL. Technically, so the one router. I have is VDSL2. Okay. I don't think I have VDSL2. I think it's just plain VDSL. Okay. And the reason I mentioned that is probably VDSL2 combines more channels and therefore gives you more speed. We'll get into that never because it's getting too crazy. We've got other things to talk about. We've got Kirk McElhern, who will talk about his Chromebook on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24 7 pain relief hotline at 866 389 0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision and independence to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. It's the leading cause of blindness in adults 55 and older. Some of us are at greater risk for AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD. If left untreated, it can lead to blindness. The good news? With early detection, AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that can reduce or even reverse some vision loss. Learning that you have AMD can be scary, but there's hope and help. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is researching and developing treatments and cures for AMD. To get your free AMD information packet, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. Join the fight against AMD, because together there is a cure in sight. Did you know that a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-952-2797. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs, and it eliminates the daily hassle of washing your system by hand. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto! Your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer, only available by calling 1-800-952-2797. That's 1-800-952-2797.
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. See, he went and done it. You went and done it here. I know, what was it, three years ago or something, you bought yourself a cheap Android phone from Motorola? Yep. Okay. The Moto G. The Moto G. Now, and just then be- about a year later, I bought myself a Windows phone because I, I think it's really important to be aware of what's going on in technology and, and to experience other platforms. So this week was Amazon's Prime Day, and they had a Chromebook for 99 pounds, 130 bucks. And I said, okay, this is my chance. Um, I've been playing with it most of the day, and I'm really impressed by this. Well, tell us briefly, who makes it? What kind of specs are we talking about here? It's a Lenovo N22. Um, I'm going to be honest that I don't even know what the specs are, and and I'm going to look it up as we talk. Um, I did notice earlier that it's not sold anymore. So even on Lenovo's website, it's not listed. It's it's really sort of vague. It's It's the Lenovo N like a Nancy 22, right? Yeah, it's an 11.6-inch display. So I'm looking on CNET where they have some specs. It's a 1.66 gigahertz Intel Celeron. It's got a 2-meg cache. It's got 2 megs of RAM. Well, this one Um, has four, the one I'm looking at. Well, maybe it's four. Uh, How big is the drive? Cache memory. No, you're right. Sorry, 2 megabytes. Four gigabytes of RAM. The resolution is 1366 by 768. That's the weak point of the computer. It the display isn't great. You know, I'm used to Retina Max Retina displays. They call um, this HD graphics because it exceeds the resolution of 720. Uh, 720p, which yeah. is the smallest HD resolution. They also say here it's got a 16 gigabyte solid state drive. Is that what you have? I think it's a 32. Um, but again, I I'm not actually sure where I can find that information yet on the computer. Okay. There's no about this Mac thing. I mean, I've got help and I've got stuff. I, I haven't had it enough to know. With the specs that I'm seeing online talk about 32. It's got 802.11ac wireless. It's got Bluetooth. It's got a trackpad. It's the the keyboard and trackpad are actually quite good. the The, the keyboard feels very similar to the keyboard of my 12 inch MacBook. The trackpad pad is plastic, and so the touch isn't as good, but it's very responsive. I'm actually surprised that I'm enjoying this as much as I am. Enjoying isn't the right word. I'm appreciating it as much as I am. I'm now convinced that if anyone asks me which computer they should buy, if they don't need to use any apps, I'm going to tell them to spend 100 or 200 pounds on a Chromebook. Because unless you're using dedicated apps, be a photo editor, be you know a database or something, you can do everything you need now. You can use Google Apps. You can use Microsoft 365. You can use iCloud on the web. Um, you can access your Dropbox, your Evernote, your one, um, your OneNote, and Microsoft OneDrive. All these things are available on the web. I haven't quite figured out the difference between apps and extensions. So the extensions are in the browser, and the apps seem to open browser pages too. So I'm really a newbie with this Chrome OS. But everything's responsive. The browser's quick. It scrolls very smoothly. Um, I mean, the the video is surprising for a, a 99-pound computer. Um, we realize they're making no profit from this. Well, okay, so this was an Amazon deal. I think it was listing at 150 at the time. Now, the uh, one I have listed here from CDW, which 
is the company that owns the division that used to be called what Mac Warehouse. Yeah. It's one ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah. Now, if I look over at, so that would be what about one hundred fifty pounds, and I'm looking at the at the new pound. A- Amazon's rate. listing it today at one hundred and fifty five. Okay, and that's putting us at about two hundred dollars, right? Well, I'm looking at it right now, and this is going to be the I'm looking at it right now. Right I've now. got 32 gigs, Intel HD graphics, 400. Not sure exactly what that is. Battery life seems seems very good. Um, I, I'm it's. I, I mean, here here are the problems. It's heavy. It's clunky. It's plastic. It's not very attractive, you know, compared to my 12 inch MacBook. But who cares? Most people don't care. If you're not carrying it around with you, most people simply don't care about it. I I, I would find it, given the work I do, I'd find it problematic to use something like this because I do use apps for a number of things. But I think 90% of people these days would be more than happy with something like this. Now, in America and Amazon, the version with 16 gigabytes is $174.99. Free shipping. Yeah. No, I think that what I'm going to do is contact Google and see if they could arrange for me to see a Chromebook. Maybe they could deal with one of the people who has that kind of thing. But isn't that also the logic behind maybe getting an iPad for some people? That the kind of work they do for a PC is served pretty well with an iPad also. Yeah, well, the difference here, obviously, is you've got the keyboard and the trackpad. So the the usage is different. I mean, you could do exactly the same things on an iPad um, with apps and, and websites. But don't forget, the iPad costs four times as much as this. And you have the HD display and all that stuff. And I'm looking... Well, the iPad's display is better. Exactly. I mean, it is a lot better. I mean, once you yeah. once you go retina, you never grow back. And I'm looking yeah. here. There are lots and lots of Chromebooks. Oh, there's under $200. Yeah. I'm looking here at Amazon. And I haven't considered the higher-end models, which probably do have what is the PC equivalent of a retina display. Well, Google makes their own um, Chromebook, which is very similar to the um, 12-inch MacBook. It's called the Google Pixel. And let's see, the 2013, are they not making it anymore? Because they're showing, on Amazon here, they're showing a 2013 model that's 500 pounds, where the list price was 1,000. Um, maybe they're not making it anymore. I'm not sure. But they did come out with their own Chromebooks that were very high-end devices with, you know, very good displays. That seems to be the only one listed here. Well, I'll tell you what. So here's here's the most recent Google Pixel. It's 16 gigs of RAM, 64 gig SSD, 12.85 inch. Um, it looks a lot like a MacBook. It's 1,249 pounds, which is... The MacBook sells for around a thousand, I believe. It's incredibly expensive when you think about it, but it's an attractive computer. It's a powerful computer. Um, I think it's a Retina display. So, it. Oh no, sorry. This is running Windows Ten. This isn't even a Chromebook. It. It's very confusing. Um, to to know when you look at this sort of stuff when you enter the PC laptop world, it's very confusing. There are so many different. Um, devices. Yes, and sometimes it's the same product with a different operating system. This is the Chrome. 
This is the Windows 10. And yeah. I think you'll see the ones that are Chromebooks have much less storage because they don't need it. Well, the point is that the storage is online. So with this Chromebook, when I set it up, um, I got a message that I would get 100 gigabytes of storage on Google Drive for the next two years. Well, and except for similar... uploading, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, and this was similar to when I bought the Android phone. I think I got 50 gigabytes or something. Um, and the Chromebook Pixel says you get a terabyte of Google Drive for three years. So while it's still only 64 gigs local, remember, most of your stuff is in the cloud, um, you're going to get a lot of um, extra storage in the cloud. Well, you know, well, Apple is trying to take advantage of that with the new ability to optimize your system, where unused files or seldom used files are sent up to iCloud. Yeah, I don't really trust that in the sense that um, I, I don't trust the cloud to be the only place where my files are stored. I mean, I would back up my files anyway. Yes, with the um, Chromebook, that's what you're doing. Yeah, but so with the Chromebook, it's different. You, you, you're not, well, when you're creating a Google Doc or something, you're not actually creating a file. Um, they are downloading locally, right? Because you can use them offline. And I think that's pretty recent in um, uh, Chrome OS, but it's a little bit different. So I do have to look into the whole backup thing. Let's go into more about Chromebooks and Kirk's experience. Are you tempted? I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. <music> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. The award-winning Graphic Converter 10, the universal genius for photo editing apps on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for the Swiss Army Knife app. It gives you all the features that you expect, and most important, it's easy to use. You can get it for just $39.95 from www.lemkesoft.com. That's www.lemkesoft.com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. In the 1950s, Dr. Joanna Budwig had a 90% success rate curing people of cancer using fresh-pressed flax oil and cottage cheese. The combination of dairy protein with unoxidized flax oil was able to restore oxygen transfer. It is now well known the cells of our bodies require unoxidized omega-3 and 6 seed oils to both attract and absorb oxygen. For the first time, there are seed oils with virtually zero oxidation even after one year at room temperature. All other, quote, cold-pressed seed oils are structurally damaged and significantly oxidized by the time you consume them. Andrea's seed oils retain the correct shape, electron content, and information that is quickly communicated to all the cells in your body. By taking these sacred seed oils, your whole body will begin to use oxygen as the Creator designed it. Now combine this with our Life Force Enhanced One World Whey Protein, and you have a winning combination to confer energy and health like never before. Call 888-988-3325 or visit sacredseedoils.com. That's sacredseedoils.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Chromebooks. I think the only time we really spent a lot of time recently is with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider talking about the fact that in the United States, Google has been very successful in getting Chromebooks into school systems, except what worries me is they don't have the proper management systems for schools. But for somebody at home who just needs to go online and send and receive email, sounds good to me. Yeah, the, the the well, it's not just email; it's web browsing, and it's even using productivity apps. As I said earlier, I mean, you can use Dropbox on the web. You can download files. You can use iCloud. Um, you can use things like Evernote, Instapaper. You know, all these services now that we use are all online based, and, and they may have apps to use on an iPad or an iPhone. But any service worth its salt today has a web version. Now, this is good and bad. Some people don't like web apps very much. And some people do like web apps and prefer web apps because instead of having lots of little apps on your computer, you just have bookmarks. I mean, you need to buy into that concept here. For example, there is no email app, right? You go to Gmail on the web or you go to your iCloud email on the web. I much prefer using an app to manage email than using web-based email. Um, so if you're not comfortable with checking your email on the web, then, well, you're not going to like this concept. 
I didn't buy this to use as my main computer. Obviously, I bought it because I wanted to learn about it, um, potentially to write an article about it. And I'm just very impressed by how smooth it is, by how responsive this little computer is. Remember, everything's in the browser, so it's not even using apps, and there are no apps to take up RAM. Obviously, browser tabs take up RAM, but not the same way as apps because the code's not running locally. As I said earlier, it scrolls very smoothly. The the video is fine. I haven't actually looked at a video yet, like you know, a YouTube video or something, or or downloaded. You know, I could put like I could put some sort of video that I've ripped from a DVD or something in Dropbox and watch it. I haven't looked to see how that is. But ninety percent of people who need a computer, they would be more than happy with this. Now, of course, the only problem is, so you can work offline. I think by default, it copies everything offline. And if I look in my Google Drive here, it's got all of my documents that are in Google Drive, which is not much. I, I use Dropbox more. So even if my internet cuts off, I should still be able to work with these documents. You know, it, it's it's made me very suddenly think, how is Apple going to compete? So I, I have a, a friend who's a uh, a Mac person. I won't mention his name, but he's someone who's worked in the Mac area for a very long time. And his kids are in a school in the States and they use Chromebooks in the school and they want to get Chromebooks at home. And he's like, do I buy them Chromebooks or do I buy them Macs? You know what? I think I know who this person is, but just go ahead. You might. You know, it's an interesting point because if Google can win in education in schools when people are young, then when these people get further on in life, when they get into, these are kids in grade school, when they get into um, high school, college, et cetera, they're going to be using... Not only are they going to be using Chromebooks, but they're going to be using Google Drive and Google Docs on the entire Google ecosystem. And I think that's even more important than the Chromebook aspect of it, is to get people into the Google ecosystem. Yes, but remember now, Google's sole success so far has been in U.S. educational systems. A very big reason is not the features, because as I said, you don't have that kind of management that Apple offers for schools. It is money. School systems don't have the money to spend, what, $500 for an iPad when they can get packs and packs of Chromebooks for $150 each or less? But isn't that the point, that they don't need expensive computers? Well, you see here also, you're reverting the computer model here to what it used to be, a thin client, before even personal computers well, became popular. a long time ago. A long, long time ago, you had a terminal at each desk. In sure. an office. I, and that terminal worked, hooked into a mainframe in or a larger computer yep. that was located in a special clean room or something. It doesn't matter. And each one had just enough processing power to deliver the picture and it would communicate over the network. Well, now you have kind of a hybrid here. It has limited personal computer abilities, not the fastest processor, not the biggest drive, but still technically a personal computer. But... It's designed to interface with mostly an online user experience. As a result of which, as internet access gets faster and faster, the performance difference with optimizations, which Google is obviously doing, will lessen. So I can see, as you say, this could be very much a computer model for the future, more so than an iPad, which is still has most of its stuff on the device itself. The greater well, dependence on the cloud as we improve internet speeds to make the experience more seamless, would make sense. That's another reason for Google to give you a gigabit, by the way. This way but you can stick Chromebooks in there, you'll never see the difference. 
They don't need gigabit for this. Well, um, no, but if they can, they will. So you, you mentioned earlier about the feature that's going to be in macOS Sierra that can offload some of your files to the cloud. There's another feature in macOS Sierra where you can have your desktop folder and your documents folder stored in iCloud, which means that you can basically use any Mac as a thin client, just the way the Chromebook is working. The difference is you're still using local apps on your device, although you can, with a Mac, do everything on the web. You could do exactly the same things in any web browser. You can go to Google Docs or, or Microsoft 365 or iCloud.com. So Apple is sort of leaning in that direction of the thin client. I, I think what's important to consider here is that this isn't for someone who's going to use Photoshop. This isn't for someone who's going to be working on editing videos that they've shot. This is for 90% of computer users who don't have these needs. Now, let's say you've got an iPhone and you don't have a Mac, but you buy a Chromebook and your iPhone lets you take videos and you might want to edit some of those videos. You can do it on the iPhone with iMovie, but on a tiny screen, it's not that easy. You might at that point realize, well, it would be nice to have a computer, but most people just don't ever need these things anymore. I can't say this is a revelation for me, but this is I, – I didn't think Chromebooks were as responsive and were as smooth and easy to use and all that. And, and I've got the absolute cheapest Chromebook you can buy, so imagine if I had something that was better. Well, you tempted me here. I'm going to try one. I mean, I can't do the kind yeah, I mean, of work I do. I need a regular desktop computer with all the Of course, you're editing and audio. And with my other podcasts, I have audio to record, and, and I'm writing books, and I need to you know, work on um, screenshots and edit screenshots and all that. But I could do 90% of what I do on a computer like this. Also, if traveling. I, if, if you're traveling with a Chromebook, and you just need to stay in touch or keep up even with your writing. Okay, um, the Chromebook is heavier than the MacBook, um, the 12-inch MacBook. It's a lot heavier. I think it's three pounds, and the 12-inch MacBook is less than two pounds. So, I mean, you're paying a lot for that extra... For, you're, you're paying a lot for the, the weight difference when you buy the MacBook. And you, as I said, you could use the MacBook almost exactly as a Chromebook with a web browser in full screen, um, merely using web apps. You could do it. Uh, if you wanted a better display... And if you wanted a wider computer, you could do exactly the same thing. Um, the difference here is simply the cost. I mean, at 99 pounds, that's less than the cost of a Kindle Paperwhite. If I were traveling around with one of these, I really wouldn't worry too much about getting it damaged. If you break it, big deal. I mean, it's you know 99 pounds. You're not going to throw away 99 pounds every week. But if you break it, you're not worried as as much as you would be with a much more expensive computer. Now, I think here when I look at you the wouldn't specs, hesitate to give this to a young child because it costs 99 pounds, and there's not that much that they can do. You know, anything they do to it won't be expensive. Well, it has an SSD, so they shake it around too much and not going to damage the hard drive. No moving – well, th there is an interesting moving part, um, and I assume this is for the education market. Um, it has a camera and a microphone at the top of the lid, but they swivel, so you can turn them around and face them away from you. It's, it's kind of odd. When I opened it, I was surprised, but then I thought, yeah, this is for education market, so it's not pointing at people when they're using it. Now, also, the design to me strikes me as an older design – repurposed for Chrome OS. Sure. It's an older probably, processor. They toss in an SSD instead of a traditional hard drive. Everything else reads old. 
But that's well, all you need the, for Chrome. The way it looks reads old too. But as I said earlier, um, the the keyboard and the trackpad are surprisingly comfortable. Uh, I'm pretty picky about keyboards, and this doesn't bother me at all. The trackpad's smooth, even though it's a sort of rough plastic instead of Apple's um, glass that they use on the trackpads. But it's fine. Um, I, I have absolutely no... I, I have nothing to criticize about this computer in terms of its hardware because I'm judging it on its merits. I'm not comparing it to a MacBook. Let's do our break. Okay. More about Kirk McElhern's Chromebook. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. Attention backpackers on a budget. Why spend $80 to $300 to pump clean survival water? Introducing the Viva Water Pump Kit from Viva Outdoor Products. Super easy to use and super lightweight at only 6.5 ounces, the Viva Water Pump Kit provides high flow rate at 1 ounce per stroke, can be one hand pumped, and is dependable and affordable at only $24.99, filter not included. Get your Viva Water Pump Kit at viba-odp.com from Viva Outdoor Products. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Understand here, Kirk McElhern is not giving up on Max. He is simply appreciating good technology wherever it comes from. Go ahead, please. Yeah. So one thing I hadn't touched on, in fact, I'm just looking at now is is the connections on this. Um, it's got an HDMI port, a USB port, an SD card reader, a headphone jack, and it's got, what is it, a USB port on the other side. There's a little thing. It might be one of those Kensington lock things. You know what those are? Kensington lock thing. That's a good brand name. You know, the hey, thing ladies and they- gentlemen, get the Kensington lock thing. You, you know, I hook thing it up to your what's in the give it. 
to, to lock the computer to like a cable. It looks like that. So it's got two USB ports, HDMI, um, SD card, and headphones. The power connector is one of these round power connectors, you know, the kind you have in like most of your devices, rather than being a USB or, or anything like that. But you were talking about the design being repurposed. It's probably very similar to the overall design of, of a ThinkPad, because the Lenovo is the same company that makes the ThinkPad. It's just thinner, because you know, there's no moving parts, there's no hard drive, there's not much in it. The lid, the part with the display, is relatively thick compared to my MacBook, but it's not that thick compared to a MacBook Pro. The base of it is probably thinner than I would have expected for a cheap computer, but it's surprisingly, you know, it's two kilos. It's about three pounds, not even three pounds, which is, I'm guessing, about a MacBook Pro. It's plastic. I expected it to be plastic, and it looks like um, the plastic looks fairly robust. I, I can't think of anything negative to say about the hardware with the exception of the display. Uh, the viewing angle on the display isn't great. Uh, you know, sometimes when you have a, a laptop that's not very good, you have to change the angle to get the viewing angle just right. And if it's not, it's really not good. Well, it's that kind of display. And even sideways, the viewing angle's not bad. It's about 45 degrees. You can still see pretty well sideways. Um, but it's not a, a retina display. So that's that's the biggest problem. As a practical matter, if they offer that with obviously more powerful graphics and a retina-style display... Would it add a couple of hundred dollars to it, maybe? It'd probably add more than that. And I think that the, that the Google Pixel, or at least the original one, had that sort of feature. It was trying to mimic Apple's laptops. And so I'm pretty sure it had a retina display and, you know, the graphics that it needs for a retina display. Because remember, it does need more graphics as well. If I were using a Chromebook all the time, I would want one with a better display. That's obvious. But other than that, the hard I can't see anything else that I need in the hardware here. You know, I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to be frustrated by the cost of these things. You know, the cost of an iPhone, I was very gl glad when the SE, the iPhone SE came out and it was a lot cheaper. Um, you've got the cost of an iPhone or the cost of a Mac that are just, you know, they're prohibitive. And sure, there are still people buying them, but fewer and fewer people even own computers anymore. I, I, I don't want to say this is the wave of the future, but this is something we're going to see more and more. I think between Chromebooks and, and tablets, um, people have much less expensive options. Remember, you can buy a tablet from Amazon for 50 bucks now. It, it's a small tablet. Um, I think it's like a seven inch with a widescreen display. And, and that's kind of small, but these thing, the, these devices are available relatively cheaply. We're a sort of exclusive club of people still using Macs. Uh, and I wonder how long that's going to last. Again, unless you really, really need to use apps, there's not much need for this sort of device. Well, if Apple's setting up this infrastructure now where it's backing up your files to the cloud, desktop well, and documents so folder automatically, does that create a future climate where Apple can build a Mac, still running Mac OS, but functioning strictly or mostly as a thin client, a well, cheaper, it, thin client sort of Mac. The, the difference here is, so if Apple does that, it's merely to offer more sort of virtual storage. Um, and you'll be paying for that virtual storage by, you know, buying storage from iCloud. The difference is you're still running the apps on the Mac. Whereas here, all of the processing is done 
in the cloud on the web servers. So you don't need the fast processor that much on the computer. I, I assume that when I'm working with a Google Doc offline, then the processing has got to be done offline. But you're talking about you know word processing and spreadsheets and all. You're not talking about Photoshop and video editing. If Apple were to make a thin client, how much cheaper can it be than the current computers? I'm not convinced that you know with Apple's with Apple's quality, with with the displays they use and, and the processors and and the design and all that, they can't drop the price that much. Well, it won't uh, be two hundred dollars. Maybe it'll be seven hundred dollars. Well, I you know that there's a MacBook Air that's what eight or nine hundred. It's eight ninety nine. Yeah, and I kind of think here that it's reached a point where Apple, because of their profit margins and the fact that these parts have been available for a long time, they could probably. Offer that for seven ninety nine and made for a hundred dollars more. Offer an HD or Retina display version. Well, that's one of the big questions about whether um, we're going to see a Retina MacBook Air or whether it's the twelve inch MacBook that's going to continue because the twelve inch MacBook has a Retina display, but the MacBook Air doesn't. Uh, I always thought that the the original twelve inch MacBook was a trial balloon to see how well it takes off and it's not really clear yet because the air hasn't been updated in a while. It's not clear if the air is going to survive, if the MacBook's going to survive, or if both are. Um, I think it would be more logical for Apple to rationalize this and only have one lightweight computer in the laptop end, uh, but they'd need to choose and they would need to have to add retina displays to the air if they were to keep the air in, in the product line. Can they offer an air for the same price with retina? They could. They could just cut their profit margin a bit. Um, remember, now, here's the thing. Know. Here's a big issue Apple is facing. Now, I can't say that Gartner's figures on Apple sales are accurate. They tend to undercount Apple, and IDC is worse at that. But even then, if sales of Macs are flat or they're down a few percent, which is what Gartner shows, down over 4% for the past quarter. All right. If that is true, what does Apple need to do to boost sales because obviously the PC market as a whole not doing much better a few percent higher sales a few percent lower sales well the question is you know how many people need PCs anymore I said earlier I think this computer would be fine for 90% of people who use a computer it's it's a luxury to own a Mac today um, you know it's well, always been true really no no, no, because Macs, Macs have always matched the sort of specs for similar priced PCs. They've never been that much more expensive than PCs. Um, but still, I think Apple is playing in an arena where the computers are higher priced. They're comparable to the PC. So if you buy a $1,500 MacBook Pro or $1,599, whatever it is now, there is an equivalent Dell or HP more or less in the price range. Yeah, but the point is that, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, we didn't have another option. Um, we had the Mac, we had um, the desktop or the laptop, and now the option we have is a tablet. Um, and, and if you're using a tablet, you've already accepted that you don't need the processing power of a desktop or a laptop. Um with something like this that's technically a thin client, uh, you're also accepting that you just don't need the rest of it. 
I mean, it's it's you know, it's an it's an interesting prospect. How how quickly can Google? Because Google's the one doing this. I, I don't know of any other company that's selling a thin client with an uh, an operating system designed like this. You know, Windows doesn't do it. Um, Apple doesn't do it. How quickly can they get people to realize that they don't need to spend their money on Macs and that they'll be able to do pretty much everything that they have been doing? I mean, it's not an easy sell. You know, we were talking earlier about kids in schools, and, and these are the people who are going to be the ones to adopt um, this type of computer as time goes by because that's what they're used to. Because at the same time, remember, we're improving all of these cloud services. Let's do our break and go into that. Okay. More to come with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. The award-winning Graphic Converter 10, the universal genius for photo editing apps on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for the Swiss Army Knife app. It gives you all the features that you expect, and most important, it's easy to use. You can get it for just $39.95 from www.lemkesoft.com. That's www.lemkesoft.com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using the computer, or, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. 
Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Now, before we go on with regard to cloud services, we know Google's been doing it for many years with their Google Apps. And Apple has been expanding cloud services, but it's had a few glitches here and there every so often. In general, are cloud services dependable enough for this sort of thing, a larger migration towards this thin client computing model? Sure, that's definitely a big problem. So here, it's, it's downloading my files, um, so I have them locally, and I can work offline. Personally, I don't trust cloud services that much. I would rather know that my stuff is offline for when the cloud goes down. But when the zombie apocalypse comes, it, it's not going to matter. We're just not going to have any of these things to use anyway. Well, that's going to make my life a little bit easier this way. After I have You to won't leave. be doing a radio show anymore. We won't need a radio show. We'd be using smoke signals. We won't even be using smoke signals. We'll be hiding out in basements. Yes, against the zombies. <laughs> but, you know, think about it. The cloud revolution has been slow and subtle. You know, remember when Gmail came out and, you know, we'd been using email on the web before that. Um, we'd been using webmail as a lot of most people as a fallback. But lots of people, they get all their email now through a web browser um, on a desktop. People have moved to Google Docs. And I've never been a fan of Google Docs. And I've started using it recently because... There is no other service that lets you have real-time collaboration where two or more people can work on a document, and you see the changes as they're happening. Uh, You can't do this with Pages, with Apple's Pages, with iCloud. People can make changes, but they show up later. They're not indicated very well. There are a number of projects I work on where the collaboration aspect of Google Docs is primordial. Yes, but do the people you work with accept Google Docs? Well, the people I work with are all people who have more experience using Google Docs than I, the, the ones who, with whom I'm working with Google Docs. Um, I don't do much on Google Docs. It's only a handful of projects, but it is something that is a lot more usable than, say, even sharing files in Dropbox. So I, I share files in Dropbox for a lot of different projects and with a lot of people, and I, I think Dropbox is still the best, but Dropbox doesn't have their own docs. Thing. They're sort of hooking into Microsoft Office now, and I don't use Office, so I'm not sh- sure how it works, but you still don't get that real-time collaboration. 
that's something that a lot of people like to use. And so th- there are people who are using Google Docs for that reason, you know, for word processing and, and, and spreadsheets and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I know a lot of writers who have moved to Google Docs and they may not actually do their writing in Google Docs because the idea of writing in a browser is not something that makes me very happy. Um, you know, the browser crashes, you lose things because, oh, the, the, the Internet did drop. You didn't notice and it didn't save your last two pages kind of thing. Well, I kind of think here the best way to work that would be the system will cache stuff you're working on online. So if something crashes, you could restore it. Well, I'm sure it does, but I'm just not sure exactly how that works. But I I mean, for for me, I'm still going to work on, I I mean, I'm not going to be using this for my work. This isn't the the point right now. Um, But I think we're, we're not that far away from the cloud being more and more the the center of most people's computing. You know, for for anyone actually who's just using an iPhone or an iPad, you know, it's not like 10 or 15 years ago where most families had a computer at home, at least one. Now most families have a couple of tablets at home and they may not have any computers at all. For people working with an iPhone or an iPad, they don't realize it, but most of what they're doing is in the cloud. Even if they're typing on their device, it's constantly going up to the cloud and back and that's where they're getting it from later because these devices aren't designed to store files in the same way. So where's the personal computing market going to be then in five years based on these developments? Oh, how should I know? I think there's a lot of inertia that's going to keep computers selling as well as they have been, but on a slow decline. I think it's hard to get people used to not using computers if they've been using them for 10 or 20 years. Uh, again, I couldn't do my work uh, on a device like this. There are too many apps that I need. And, and anyway, I write about computers, so it's it's not comparable. As I said before, if anyone asks me now what kind of computer they should get, I'll tell them to get a Chromebook. Um, this this 100-pound price was just a one-day thing on Amazon. I said earlier it's 155 now. You can get a decent Chromebook for two or 300 pounds or, you know, $300 or something around that price, and you've got a computer that does most of what you need. Um, I, I can see these going further. Again, as kids come out of school, they want them at home. They go to high school and college. Um, hey, while you were looking, I went over to eBay. New, yeah. brand new HP Chromebooks. Yep. Okay, here's one for $129.99, one for $139.99. There's a whole bunch of these things here. Yeah, they're like they're like cockroaches. I'm looking at the top sellers in laptops on Amazon UK. There are Chromebooks at 150, 200 pounds, 300, 350, 125, uh, 130. There are tons of them, and some of them have this display that flips back, so it's not actually a tablet, but it's kind of like a tablet. But also, you can stand it up with the display flip back to watch a video. And then I see the the 13-inch MacBook Pro at you know a thousand pounds which is listed in, in one of the best sellers here. So the difference between, you know, 139 pounds for a Chromebook and a thousand pounds for a MacBook Pro, you know, it's a pretty radical difference. And the question is here, how does Apple make the case for spending three times as much or four times as much? Yeah, it's well, a- Apple is selling now, as, as we see, they're selling more services and features than before. You know, Siri is, is a big feature. But th- this has OK Google on it. I haven't turned it on, but I'm pretty sure it's going to work pretty much the same 
here as it does on any other device. So Apple doesn't have that much of an edge there. You do have the cross compatibility between iOS devices and Macs, which is really nice. But you know, Google does the same thing between Android and and Chromebooks. Uh, you know, you can sync all of your content and your bookmarks and everything, and you know, your Google account uh, works similar to like an iCloud account, the way everything syncs. Services, yeah. What kind of services are they going to be able to provide to make it worth spending more for a computer? It's a good question. It is the Apple dilemma. And it's become a serious dilemma because Apple used to be number one in the educational market, competing against traditional PCs. In the U.S. at least, I don't know about the rest of the world, in the U.S. at least, Chromebook is now more popular. Again, I think it's very much about cost and not much else because a lot of school systems don't have the money they used to have to add a personal computer, even an iPad. And with the Chromebook, if it has decent school management systems, which I still question, even then they might sacrifice that for the sake of having a PC for everyone that's cheap. And it's going to be a lot cheaper than you and I pay for it. Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can check out my website. It's called Kirkville. It's at McElhern.com. That's www.mcelhearn.com. You can find me at The Next Track, which is my new music podcast. It's thenexttrack.com. Um, Doug Adams and myself, we talk about how people listen to music today. And you can find me at Macworld, where I write about iTunes and Macs, and maybe I'll be writing about a Chromebook soon. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me once again, Gene. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. The investment world isn't fair. A precious metals trader buys gold and silver at spot price. You pay his price plus fees, costs, and shipping. But today, you don't. Today, JM Bullion offers a 10-ounce bar of pure silver at spot price. No fees, no markups, no shipping. Invest in something real, not Wall Street paper. 10 ounces of silver at spot price. Visit realpricesilver.com for this limited-time offer. One per household, 50 United States only. realpricesilver.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury help desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention prescription antibiotic drug users. Have you or a loved one suffered an aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm after taking the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox? These popular antibiotic drugs have been prescribed more than 80 million times since 2004, and medical studies show an increased risk of the following injuries. Aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, 
and abdominal aortic aneurysm. If you or a loved one used the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox and suffered from aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, rodents, and other pests. If you've just made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix. Because Terminix has the know-how and the means to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminix has over 85 years of experience exterminating invaders like you. And right now, they're making it easier than ever for homes to be protected by offering a free pest estimate to every caller at 1-800-676-1468. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, rodents, and other pests. This is your eviction notice. With one call, Terminix will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminix will protect that home with a 100% satisfaction money-back guarantee so you can never return. Warning, homeowners are calling Terminix right now for a free pest estimate at 1-800-676-1468. 1-800-676-1468. Limitations apply. See plan for details. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Rob Pegarero who hangs his hat at places like USA Today and Yahoo. And we're going to get a little bit into the political realm, partly because there's technology involved. But let's do something else first. And that is, when we set up this interview in Skype, Rob started Skype to connect to me and noticed it took an awfully long time. And then I remarked in return, Rob, for me, it's four or five seconds. So evidently, he has an older Mac there. You can tell us which one if you want. Yes, this computer is definitely a senior citizen among desktops. It's a 2009 vintage iMac. It's old, it's slow, but here's my problem. I would like to buy an actual new computer to replace it, not a design that was last updated, according to the Mac Rumors Buyer's Guide site, 276 days ago. Or I could buy a Mac Mini, and that has not been updated in 638 days. Sorry, Apple, I'm not paying this year's prices for last year's hardware. 
So, therefore, the way things go with an iMac, assuming you want to get like a 2016 iMac, it would come out maybe October. Otherwise, you're getting last October's iMac if you buy it now. Right. I mean, I guess the upside is, you know, I'm keeping my computer expenses down. I've got that going for me. Well, you know what I did with the late 2009 iMac? I put in an SSD that made a world of a difference, by the way. And I think that might be a lot of what you see there. And then yeah, I added more memory. Although I guess given that the hard drive is pretty close to maxed out, I'd be spending, uh, I assume, a uh, half terabyte SSD is not going to be cheap. Well, I put a terabyte SSD, and they're less than $500. Hmm, okay. That's well, nice to see that It's not fun, though. The one that you have, the late 2009 iMac, it's not as bad as the current models, but to open it up and replace the drive, you have to use the suction cups. Mm. To pry the screen off from the top, I've done it. I did it once. I did it well. But I will never do it again. And the new ones use adhesive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I did look up the procedure for that on iFixit or wherever, and it, it was a little intimidating. I wouldn't do it. Now, the one with the suction cups, I tell you, you know what? That's not such a big deal if you want that. But what you have there, if you want to get a terabyte drive, I mean, you want to extend it for six months or so. Yeah. And SSD, right now I'm looking at other world computing because I think that they offer a pretty good deal. And they're offering... I'm going to look up your model here now. This is the late 2009 iMac, 27-inch iMac. And that, was, by the way, was a really good computer. It's one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah. Okay, so they offer here a one-terabyte SSD a upgrade kit and everything. This is the kit, not just the drive. Three fifty-nine mm, okay. seventy-five. How much? Three fifty-nine seventy-five, mm. And that includes, I think that includes the tools. Oh, okay. All right. Or if you go to a dealer, they'll charge you maybe 75 or $100 to do it. Right. Th- well, there it's is nice to see that other world computing is still around. I recall ordering maybe a new hard drive or a memory upgrade for my power computing Mac clone almost 20 years ago. Well, I remember when it looked like Larry O'Connor, who's the CEO, was a kid. And now he's got to be a guy in his late 40s or something. They have a two terabyte SSD upgrade kit for 739 that's not worth it. The one terabyte yeah. is because I think when you sell it, you'll probably get more money for it. Hmm, interesting. Okay, I'll consider that. And I know it works because I did it. It was amazing because I did the same thing on a 2010 MacBook Pro, the 17-inch, and it's the next to last 17-inch MacBook Pro they came out with. And I guess I don't have a retina display. But I put a half terabyte SSD in there. And those now, the prices have gone down. They're now less than $200 for a 480 gigabyte SSD. Man. It's getting downright affordable. And I did it myself. It took me maybe 10 minutes to open it, 10 minutes to do everything and close it up again. You just have to watch out for the tiny, tiny little screws. Those pentalobe yeah. screws are... I lost a few, and they were nice, and they sent me some more. You have to take a little ashtray or something to put them in. Yeah. But it was a world of difference. Suddenly, this glacial computer was reasonably fast. Hmm. So it's something to think about. And this way, you buy another six months, then maybe... It could be more than another six months. This is Apple we're talking about. Who knows how long they're going to make us wait. Yes, that is an interesting story here. So... 
we look at Gartner, we look at IDC. Apple's June quarter sales, and these are estimates, they're not final sales figures. We get those from Apple. And sometimes these agencies tend to undercut Apple. But they show a sales drop in the 4 some odd percent range to the 7.9% range. And that's a little higher than the other PC companies. Is it because Apple has been slow to upgrade its products this year? I mean, people with five-year-old Macs, other than someone who's a tech writer with a seven-year-old Mac, are these people really that concerned because they're buying a model that hasn't been upgraded in a while? I don't know. You know, if your computer breaks, if it simply has become unusable, you got to buy a new one and you're just going to suck it up. But in my case, this computer, as crotchety as it can seem, it works. And, you know, no, Apple, you need to actually ship a new computer, period. I'm not going to underwrite you. You can spend all this money on your new spaceship headquarters and your, your electric car project, but I need a computer. And when you ship a new one... You know, preferably one that, you know, is not just a retread of last year's design, which was a refresh of the design from a year before. Then we'll talk. And if, if their sales are hurting because of that, good. You know, this, this proves that all this talk about Apple faithful, people are rational consumers. And if they see that they're, they're just not getting a new product, then that makes it easier to stick around with the old model, which same goes for the 2012 vintage MacBook Air to my right which is less crotchety and still runs pretty well. So you see, I just saved you a lot of money by telling you about the solid-state drive upgrade. The other thing to consider here, though, as far as what the iMac might change to be, remember, in 2014, Apple introduced the 5K Retina display for the 27-inch iMac. The following year, they made it cheaper and they gave you better color. I don't think you're going to see much of a change this year, to be frank. I think you'll see Skylake processors or something like that, and maybe cheaper solid-state drive options, all solid-state, not fusion drive. I don't think you'll see more because there's no reason to. Yeah, in some ways, you know, I might, I could see myself replacing my laptop sooner, uh, in part because we we know a new laptop, or at least we hope, it'll have a USB-C charger, so if if I have another... um, you know, power adapter go bad. I don't need to spend $85, tax included, to buy a new one from Apple. Uh, you know, they're, they're saying it would include Touch ID unlocking, which is great. I would be very much in favor of that. And, you know, there's, I guess you could have Touch ID unlocking on a desktop as well. We'll have to see what kind of keyboard they ship it in. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but as it stands right now, Apple's making it very easy for me to keep my credit card in my wallet. And the suggestion I just gave you is going to allow you to use your credit card at a much lower amount. Yes, I am looking at this. Yeah, it's what, 350 bucks for that upgrade kit. And yeah, I vouch I for it include- because, you know, right now what I did is I gave that computer when I finished it and got a different one to my co-host on the Paranormal Radio Show, Chris O'Brien, and he just loves it. It's still working. It's mm-hmm. not a retina display, but, you know, he, he tolerates it. Right. Yeah. All right. Something to think about there. The question I have, though, is Apple knows this. They know why people are not buying new Macs better than you and I do. They have all the research. So as we fade to our next segment here, the big question is, 
Apple knows this. Why haven't they done more in terms of upgrading Macs in 2016? All we've had is a 2016 MacBook. More to come with Rob Pigarero. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you one of the 70% of Americans that want to own your own business, afraid to leave the security of your current job to pursue your dreams? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current job schedule, creating an extra income for you and your family by joining his crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system, and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis 
analysis from ReputationDefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com today. Attention backpackers on a budget. Why spend $80 to $300 to pump clean survival water? Introducing the Viva Water Pump Kit from Viva Outdoor Products. Super easy to use and super lightweight at only 6.5 ounces, the Viva Water Pump Kit provides high flow rate at one ounce per stroke, can be one hand pumped, and is dependable and affordable at only $24.99. Filter not included. Get your Viva Water Pump Kit at viba-odp.com from Viva Outdoor Products. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Rob Pegarero who is sitting on his Mac and he's not upgrading them. Apple is suffering from a sales decline more than is usual. I mean, sales have been relatively flat in recent years, but the last quarter they went down a few percent. Now they may be going down a few more percent. But again, like I said, Gartner and IDC are estimates. Later this month, Apple reveals the truth. Apple knows this, Rob. Why aren't they doing something about it? A lot of the time when you are convinced that somebody else is being an idiot and that they're they're just not seeing something that's blindly obvious, it's you that's missing something. And so I'm trying to allow for that. But, you know, I don't know. I, I would also ask, for instance, why is it that after, you know, it's been two full iOS releases since they added support for third-party keyboards and there's been, we up to iOS 9.3. What's the current version? And I, It's 9.3 point something. Yes. I still can't count on seeing a third-party keyboard show up in every app. Like, as I flip around, let's see, uh, Twitter is showing... Which one do I have open on my iPad? This is, okay, Gboard there. If I switch to Safari, what keyboard am I going to see? It's the Apple keyboard because reasons. I would like to think that make your software act as advertised and expected would be the higher order bit at Apple, but apparently it's not. I don't know. I, I just don't understand why this company does some of the things it does. Well, we can look at other companies like why, for example, has Microsoft forced you to upgrade to Windows 10 in ways that change it to malware? Yeah, well, with Windows 10, my question would be, you know, hey, why is this email client still so, you know, pathetically underfeatured? Why does the calendar app not, I think it doesn't support time zones last I checked. You know, that, that should be low-hanging fruit as well, although I guess there's this anniversary update coming that uh, I'm sure will fix everything. No, yeah, wait, I, won't you check it on the Insider Preview? I don't think the mail is that much better. They want to sell you Office, and yeah. therefore they give you this sub-featured mail app. It's not the same thing with Apple. I think they're doing a decent job. It's got glitches, but all email clients do. But the thing for from Microsoft, it's barely usable. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think Microsoft, at least, they, they seem, you know, one nice thing about Windows 10, it doesn't bog down like crazy when you have a web browser open. You know, I it will say it's run out of memory, but at least you know what's going on. I don't have to keep the, uh, the Windows equivalent of activity monitor open to see which app has decided to eat up all the spare memory on my computer. 
I really hope somebody Apple is working on that for uh, Mac OS Sierra because really getting tired of saying, oh, look, there goes Safari running a mock again. Let me force quit it. And, and sometimes, like yesterday, I, I had to, it was about five minutes before I could actually get the computer to let me switch to Activity Monitor so I could force quit. I think it was, yeah, yeah, it was Safari. Then Chrome went bonkers later on. In that case, it was uh, some flash widget on, I was afraid it was one of my own stories at Yahoo Finance. Or well, you would think that maybe the critics were after you. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, it's yeah. funny here. I'm oh, looking at Safari. And I don't really have that kind of problem with it. Maybe because I don't keep a gazillion tabs open. I don't know. But I don't encounter that problem. But again, I have different equipment than you, so a lot of that could be. Yeah, I, I see other it. people tweet about it as well, and I know it's definitely not just me. I'm, I'm glad you're having better luck than me, though. Well, I'm not saying that it's just you, unless you want to be paranoid about it. Maybe everybody's <laughs> after you. Maybe the Illuminati are after you. Maybe... the it's the result of these political columns you're doing lately, because we're going to get into that. We don't get into politics very often, but we're going to be equal opportunity offenders. We'll talk about Hillary and we'll talk about Donald. Absolutely. In, in such a sense. So I assume Apple's eventually going to release new Macs probably this fall. Wouldn't it be nice? And wouldn't it be nice if they do something about the Mac Pro, which was last updated in 2013? It was introduced at the summer at the WWDC just prior to summer. It didn't ship until the end of the year, and maybe just to make the 2013 deadline, they sent five out, I think. And anything yeah. else was shipped the following year. All right. You're writing some articles about things that reflect the political campaign, and there's an open letter from technology executives not too kind towards the Donald. Absolutely not. What are they saying? Well, they're saying he would be a disaster for innovation. Let me uh, bring this letter up here. It's a lot full of a lot of choice words, uh, essentially saying the tech industry is based on being open to talent. So many companies are founded by immigrants. And this guy, his whole shtick has been, you know, not just being opposed to people coming into the U.S., you know, without a visa or a green card, or whatever, but just generally being hostile to foreigners, stoking fear and says a, a lot of stuff. To me, what struck me is, you know, they saved it. They waited until the end of this particular essay to say that also there's the problem. He doesn't really have a technology policy. It's, and I've gone looking through his sites. I've, I've gone looking for evidence of what he feels about say net neutrality. And you have to like rely on a two-year-old tweet you know, the, the Donald Trump website has a lot of information about Trump University. What does he think about the state of broadband access and competition in the U.S.? I don't know. It's mind-boggling. And you can only imagine how a contestant on The Apprentice would fare before the Donald if he were to show up and have such a vague idea of what he was going to do, <laughs> you know, if he got the nod. This, it's crazy, although no crazier than a lot of the things Trump does. And so, yeah, he's got a lot of people in Silicon Valley who have gone up and said what I think a lot of people think. At the same time, it's funny to see who's not on this particular uh, open letter. You don't see Tim Cook, although Cook has been really activist on things like LGBT equality, you know, immigration issues, a, a lot of issues of public concern, diversity. You don't see uh, 
Google Sundar Pichai, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, all the sort of top tier people have stayed off of that. You do see people further down the line. Steve Wozniak signed this letter, which does not surprise me at all. Yeah, but Wozniak really has been a non-factor in technology for since the 1980s when he sort yes. of got out of it. I mean, they quote him every so often. Oh, look at this wacky guy who says something about Apple. And maybe he doesn't like a product. It doesn't matter. He's not doing anything about it. Yeah. So we don't worry about him at all. Still, maybe the higher-end executives, the more powerful executives, don't want to get that embroiled in politics, especially if there's a slight possibility that Trump's going to be president. Right. Well, you know, Apple has already decided that, uh, you know, when, when they said we're, we're not going to participate in the Republican National Convention, that was a gutsy call. Yes, but if you look at the Republican platform about gays, especially. Yeah, right. You know, they, they favor this program to pray away the gay. And I'm not going to get into all that, except to say, obviously, Apple is a diverse company. And therefore, they are not going to accept that. So yeah. their posture is obvious, but it doesn't mean they're going to sign this letter. I don't think that Donald Trump knows a thing about technology. Not that Hillary does either. I think the big controversy over Secretary Clinton and email is that she really doesn't know about that. She just wanted a solution. They handed her something as an idea. Okay, use your family server, whatever. And any of the things that happened, any of the glitches came out of that, that she didn't know. She just did what was useful, that seemed to work, and that was yeah. it. And if other aides said use a different solution, she would because she is not a technology-savvy person, not nearly as much as Obama is. And that might be good or bad. Maybe she needs to bone up on it. Maybe that would cause fewer problems. I'm going to put on another hat for a moment. I'm going to tell you something about a service that we offer. Apple, of course, is offering more and more services and I guess making more and more money from it. I don't know that we make a lot of money from this particular service, but we think it does good things for you. It's called the Tech Night Owl Plus. What's the Tech Night Owl Plus? Well, we offer the commercial free version of this show. No need to fast forward. This is the commercial free version of this show. And a simple way to get it. All you have to do is subscribe to Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus, P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. Check the easy sign-up instructions. You could get a month-to-month -month subscription to try it out. By the year, by five years, we even offer a lifetime subscription. And we've been around since 2002. That's Tech Night Owl Plus. More features coming. Try, go to plus.technightowl.com. Once again, that's plus.technightowl.com. We've got Rob Pegarero, and we've got more to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? 
Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, so we got the letter to Trump. Yes. All right. Let's set aside that. What is Hillary Clinton? And as I said, she's not tech savvy or has not been, although she's possibly a quick study and will learn. She has some kind of platform about technology. What is she saying about it? So, yes, the, the, so the contrast is striking. About uh, three weeks ago, Hillary Clinton came out with her detailed technology platform. Yeah, it's, it's quite extensive. And for the most part, I think it's got a lot of good ideas. There are some things where I wish she would either... She seems to have backed off a little bit from things that President Obama supports that I think are good policy initiatives, like going after patent trolls. I noticed that while Obama backed a bill that would have made basically people filing frivolous and harassing patent infringement lawsuits make them pay for their defendants' court costs, Clinton's tech policy platform does not favor that, which is a little disappointing. Uh, I was hoping... Hillary's tech policy platform would talk about copyright terms. Two years from now, we're going to have a big fight in Congress because the existing terms will ensure that, you know, the, the very oldest Mickey Mouse content will enter the public domain. And we know the Disney company is not going to stand for that. They were able to get copyright terms extended retroactively back in one of Bill Clinton's administrations. We need to stop extending copyright terms dead people are not going to create any more creative works. There is no point in further extending terms of copyright for stuff that was made, you know, we're going back almost 100 years. So, well, how far back should they go? Now, it used to be 50-some-odd years, right? Yeah, the current standard is life of the author plus 70 years. And, you know, a lot of people have argued that the economically 
appropriate copyright term is a lot shorter. If we judge copyright by does it motivate people to create new works, which is the only reason set forth in the Constitution for copyright to exist at all, then the existing one is way too long. I accept that we're probably not going to get that reduced. I mean, it's very difficult to, you can only, politically speaking, you can only reduce it for future creative works, but we need to stop expanding it. You know, somebody needs to stand up and say, enough. You in the creative industry, and I say this as somebody who, actually, I don't really benefit from copyright that often. Most of the stuff I do is done under work for hire contracts. So somebody else who is directly benefiting from the copyright system, you know, what we have here, that's enough. You're going to have to find some other thing to bug Washington about. So she doesn't mention that. Clinton's tech policy does go into a lot of detail about uh, things like we mentioned broadband access and competition, something where Trump does not seem to have any real defined opinions on. Clinton does want to do a lot of public-private partnerships to try to make better use of what we have in terms of infrastructure. She wants to make it easier to extend new broadband lines along public rights of way, which is a good idea. Some, you know, some libertarian friends of mine are very in favor of let's make it easier for the next Google Fiber so they don't have to go from city to city and get negotiate poll attachment rights. She's in favor of a limited amount of municipal broadband if that's the only way to get broadband into an area. Pretty unremarkable. She uh, does say some good things in copyright in terms of actually addressing the issue of orphan works, which is where nobody can find the actual owner of something that is copyrighted. And so therefore, no one can make use of it, even though there's no one actually claiming ownership of it. It's a real problem. And in, in addressing it, I'm kind of amazed she said that up front in this tech policy platform. Other than a few of the things that concern you, anything else that concern you? That, Or is it a matter of just omission or not favoring something? Maybe she can add more details later. So one thing, I, I sort of look at this in a could-be-worse sense. The, the platform discusses encryption, you know, what you have on your iPhone, on your iPad, what protects um, WhatsApp messages in transit, what Facebook is now rolling out as an option in Messenger. Encryption is good. It keeps your data safe, especially, you know, if you're, say, a secretary of state sending email from foreign countries, you want really strong encryption. On the other hand, there are a lot of people who have been trying to make political hay out of the fact that, well, terrorists might use encryption to concoct their plots. Yeah, they might. But the problem is there's no way you can sort of make encryption legal only for good people. And you can't stop people from developing encrypted messaging apps elsewhere. I was just reading a story on uh, a very good tech news site run by uh, Vice News called Motherboard, talking about how many different encrypted messaging apps, many developed outside the U.S., the so-called doesn't deserve to call itself Islamic State likes to use. All right. So Clinton's policy there is she supports this bill put forth by uh, Senator Mark Warner of Democrat of Virginia and Michael McFall, a Republican representative from Texas, to set up a commission of experts to study the problem. I think I know what the commission is going to say. It's what I just said. <laughs> if you're going to have secure encryption, the, the most secure kind, there isn't a second set of keys that law enforcement can request later on. It's end-to-end -end encrypted. And there are lots of other ways you can go after the bad guys. You know, there's a ton of metadata being generated all the time. Uh, people talk about it being the, the golden age of surveillance because there's so many digital identifiers you can use to find people. So, you know, I guess if you want to set up a commission to confirm what we know, okay, let's try not to spend too much money on it. That, that's, I guess that's my stance there. There we go. Okay, that's what Clinton has to say about technology. Now, you also 
are getting into the real muddied waters of her email. Yes. I don't know if we want to do this, but we're going to do it anyway, because I have a few ideas about it. Let me just throw you something before you even mention it. The biggest problem with her emails is there's no context whatever. We're not comparing her email practices to any other secretary of state or any other cabinet secretary. It's just, let's look at what she does, right, wrong, or somewhere in the middle. It's not, yep. what did the other people do? What did Colin Powell do? He had an AOL account. You know that, right? Yes, he had an AOL account. And he used that, not for all his correspondence. We, we know at the time that AOL's, I mean, most people's email security was pretty bad. <laughs> Certainly AOL's is now good and competent, but uh, I'm pretty sure that was not the case in the, the first half of the aughts. And how many of those emails did he turn over? None. Yeah, we didn't know about it at the time. So my understanding is none, and don't think we could get them back. So there you go. All right, let's talk about Clinton. So she becomes yeah, so Secretary of State in 2009. And what are you concluding about anything here? Are you basing it strictly on what the FBI said? Well, you know, they spent a lot more time looking into this than me. But yes, I wrote this piece essentially reacting to the conclusions that the FBI director, James Comey, reached when he made that very unusual public statement saying, we're not going to file charges. Here's why. At the same time, Clinton was extremely careless. And my take on it was, you know, the, the worst thing he said about what she did was, you know, using her email in the territory of skilled adversaries. And... Yeah, we don't know. And he didn't mention, like he didn't use the word encryption at all. I would like to think that her email setup did use things, you know, if there was webmail access overseas, there was encryption throughout the full session, there was TLS encryption to protect messages in transit. We don't know. Um, well, if now, the thing to bear in mind here, too, is that it's politically correct among certain people to say, Oh, she had a private, insecure email server, but we don't know that. I'm assuming if she used traditional Linux-based email tools, it's not a big deal to set up yeah. something with a reasonable amount of security. I have a Linux private email server that's over here at a data center in Phoenix run by Namecheap, and we have a certain number of tools that we could use. It come free with the package, and I don't know what she had. And nobody explains. They just assume private, insecure. But government isn't that secure, is it? No. The State Department's mail system has had, at least the unclassified system, has been hacked multiple times, including while she was the Secretary of State. So, yeah, the idea that her system was less secure than what was at state, no one has proved that. Uh, You know, I think... Politically speaking, this was dumb. Somebody should have told their boss, I, I know you hate using the state mail system and you and it doesn't let you, you'd have to get a separate phone. Just play by the rules on this one. Just let it go. <laughs> but nobody and, did that before she took office. So maybe that's part of it. That now, in yeah. hindsight, she realizes that and so does the Obama administration. We have Rob Peguerero. More about the Clinton emails This is the Tech Night Out Live. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. 
You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Today, how to incorporate your business in just 10 minutes so you won't lose everything if you get sued. Step 1. Stop putting it off. If you're not incorporated and someone sues your business tomorrow, it's not just your business at risk. You can lose everything. Your home, your car, even your life savings. Step 2. Call the following number for a free 10-minute incorporation guide from Incorporate.com. 1-800-941-5257. They don't provide legal or financial advice. They just make incorporating quick and easy. So you can incorporate or form an LLC in just 10 minutes. That number again is 1-800-941-5257. Step 3. Congratulate yourself. By taking just 10 minutes to incorporate your business or form an LLC, you protected your home, your car, and your life savings. And that is how you incorporate your business in just 10 minutes. But hurry while they're still giving away these 10-minute incorporation guides for free. Call 1-800-941-5257. That's 1-800-941-5257. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, A Place for Mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. This is Rick Osick, President of Famous Footwear. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. As a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year, in addition to the emotional stress on employees and their families. That's why Famous Footwear is committed to raising funds to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in the March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Okay, so we got into the waters. Clinton's emails. Now, a couple of things about the FBI report that I want to mention, and we can go back to that. Number one, it says that she's lying when she said she only used one device. It was multiple devices. But as was pointed out to the FBI director, who evidently is not very good on technology, that's my impression, that she may have had one device at a time time. and over four years used several and also used an iPad. That's number one. Second, saying it was not one email server, but multiple servers. And I understand when the thing was in her home, it was one server, which is like, folks, a glorified PC. A server is basically a PC can be a server or could be one of these blade servers that has multiple power supplies and redundancies. But it's basically a personal computer with software that allows you to run email, probably plugged into an ISP or something, that when it was moved over to a hosting service, maybe they had multiple servers. But there's a third issue, too, which maybe you heard about when the FBI director went before Congress. I watched the whole hearing. Do you remember when they were talking about these alleged two or three letters that were marked as secrets? And she said she didn't send anything marked secret. And the reason why is these three letters were not properly marked. They have to have Secret in the headers, I guess. Yeah. And if she sees the headers, headers like anybody else, okay, these are secret. I'll watch them. They weren't marked correctly. They also had confidential markings that should not have been there by mistake. So when she says, I didn't send anything marked confidential, she's probably telling the truth. Yes. So that was an interesting part that was brought out. One of the uh, Democratic representatives on the Oversight Committee asked about that. And he said, yes, there was this little C in parentheses, which makes me think of copyright. That was there, but not the the header information that would tell you this is secret or top secret or classified or whatever. So, yeah, the other thing, and, and this is something I've seen, I saw both in that hearing and in the responses I've gotten from readers. Like, I have to warn you, anyone who reads this story on Yahoo Finance, it's probably the worst comments thread, the, the stupidest, most mean-spirited, ignorant, hateful comments thread I've ever seen. Because you've got people in the GOP who think that this is somehow a matter of high treason. And then you had the Republican members of the committee, who their questions were basically, why can't you hate Hillary? Hate Hillary with us. Come on. And Comey is he's a professional law enforcement guy, a lifelong Republican, appointed to a prosecutor's job by George W. Bush, and he wasn't having any of it. So Republicans seem to lose their minds when the Clintons are involved. They think they've found some kryptonite scandal and they press too hard and which result is a lot of our tax dollars spent on things like how many different Benghazi committees that ultimately find no wrongdoing. And remember here, we're talking about email. A lot of nonsense went on with email in the government, like those millions of emails and during the Bush administration, 2006, 2007, they used Republican Party servers. Yes, a private organization that was Carl Rove's email. Where are those emails so we can analyze them and see maybe some secure information was sent? Yeah, it was literally millions. I remember helping out some colleagues at the Washington Post at the time. So at some point, I did actually see Carl Rove's email address can't remember it, so I can't sign him up for any annoying mailing lists or anything. 
no political party should act as if its members are above reproach on this issue. More recently, there was a very funny scandal. I mean, funny unless you're a citizen of the great state of Wisconsin. Scott Walker, some of his staff were doing government business on private email systems. They even set up a like MiFi hotspot in you know, in government office buildings so people would not show up on, I guess, official logs of traffic. Well, they got caught anyways. Like, that's the big lesson. You know, if you really want to conduct your correspondence out of the public eye, you'd better meet somebody in, you know, a parking garage in the dark because <laughs> your email is going to get found. And if he looks like Hal Holbrook, more yes, exactly. to the better. But seriously speaking here, this is nonsense. It's just email, folks. I mean, you could argue a lot of things about Hillary Clinton's policies, and that's fine because that's part of the political landscape and we should judge her by the act she takes, but not the email. This is nonsense. I mean, it got to a point where, oh, maybe these three emails were marked or not marked, classified. You know, we're not talking about somebody who takes classified information, physically takes highly sensitive information, not just something that's classified that may not even deserve to be there, and bring it to his mistress. She does not have a need to know. Why do you hand it to her? Or another case where somebody who accidentally took home classified information and was charged because he tried to hide it. Obstruction. She didn't hide anything. And then the other argument, I think, was made, well, when they checked her emails, they found a couple of thousand that she didn't turn over to us because her lawyers, maybe they were supposed to check each mail, but what they ended up doing was using search terms. So much, how could you check 30,000 messages? So they used search terms, and maybe the search system was not perfect, so some letters turned up. At least she made an effort. Where's Colin Powell's effort? Where's the effort of anybody else to get their emails? Poor lady made an effort, and she didn't do it perfectly, and therefore she will be damned for the end of time. I think we can all stipulate that her approach to IT may have been questionable. Fortunately, we're not having an election for a systems administrator-in-chief. Oh, you better tell the Republican Party that. You better tell Donald <laughs> Trump that. That you know. So, of course, this may be pivoting a little bit. You know, the, the GOP, their big issue with email these days, this was another thing I wrote, does Donald Trump know he has a mailing list? I willingly signed up for his emails three weeks ago, along with Clinton's. I've gotten one message so far. Well, you know, for years, Trump didn't even use email at all. And then said he was using it, and they never did. I mean, they looked at his email practices, and I guess in the early aughts, he started using email, which is, what, 15, 20 years behind anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, it's... (laughs) And I guess someone found some court case where some emails within the Trump organization somehow vanished that would have been relevant to this particular court case. Cannot remember the exact details right now, though. Well, you see, if you're going to really charge one person with email practices that weren't efficient, weren't well done, you better be prepared to look at that glass house. Yeah. The other thing I'd add, you know, I had a reasoned email, a thoughtful email from somebody who said, like, isn't there going to be any consequence for it? I said, look, to recycle a Republican line, the government doesn't have to solve every problem. There, there is an election coming up and you can vote as you wish. You, you can make this a firing offense if, if you want. Of course, the problem is Republicans don't exactly have the most appealing guy to hire, but that's the Republicans' fault. Uh, you know, they, they've made their Donald Trump bed. They are going to lie in it. Well, yes. And now they've got, was it Mike Pence? 
is going yeah. to be the vice president. And he has some unusual things, but then we're getting to politics. Right. Well, we need to quote uh, Tim Cook. One of his excursions into politics was to denounce this religious freedom, I'm using air quotes right now, law that Indiana was going to pass, which was more like, let's make it easy to be mean to gay people. And Cook said, this is not good for business. We at Apple don't appreciate this sort of thing. And Pence had to back paddle, although at least Indiana retreated on this instead of barging ahead like North Carolina has chosen to do. Let's do our break and then we'll have more to this. Technology, politics, why? With Rob Pegorero and Gene Steinberg. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. The investment world isn't fair. A precious metals trader buys gold and silver at spot price. You pay his price plus fees, costs, and shipping. But today, you don't. Today, JM Bullion offers a 10-ounce bar of pure silver at spot price. No fees, no markups, no shipping. Invest in something real, not Wall Street paper. 10 ounces of silver at spot price. Visit realpricesilver.com for this limited-time offer. One per household, 50 United States only. realpricesilver.com. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A General Steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Hi, my name is Scott Fuchs, teacher and rowing coach for over 14 years. I was sluggish, overweight, on prescription drugs, and only 30-something. Fortunately, I was referred to Dr. Z, and happy to say Dr. Z's all-natural protocols over a consistent course resolved my health issues. I'm in the best shape of my life, and most importantly, on zero medications. I'm Dr. Zdanowski, author of Evology, trained as a primary care physician, surgical manipulation under anesthesia, Expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health. A balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been a secret too long. Actualize your potential. Reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. 201-945-1177, 201-945-1177, evolveyourself.com. To a professional trader in precious metals, the key is spot price. Spot price is market price, what gold or silver actually costs on the exchange. Regular people looking to invest never get spot price because resellers add fees for everything. Refining, minting, brokerage costs, commissions. The public is never offered spot price until now. In a limited new customer outreach, JM Bullion offers you the chance to own a 10-ounce bar of pure silver at spot price. No fees, commissions, markups, not even a shipping cost. Now, through JM Bullion, own the most real investment of all at real cost. Not a piece of paper from Wall Street or a bank. A 10-ounce bar of silver at spot price. That's a solid investment. But you must act now. Go online to realpricesilver.com for this limited-time offer. That's realpricesilver.com. realpricesilver.com. Limit one offer per household. 50 United States only. 
dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Rob Pegarero is with us. He writes for USA Today. He writes for Yahoo and other places. And we were focusing here, starting with technology and politics. And it gets so involved, as you see, because suddenly what does Tim Cook have to say about a certain, quote, religious freedom law in Indiana that was backtracked on? And the other thing I wonder in passing is we have a lot of problems in this world. We have terrorism. We have economic inequality. Lots of problems are out there to solve. And why are we worrying about what's happening in someone's bedroom? I mean, yeah. look out. Forget about all that stuff. Forget about that and say, okay, let's solve some problems first. Worry about this later. Let's maybe do something where fewer people are murdered. It doesn't matter where you stand on gun control or that debate or if you're an NRA member. You don't want people to be killed. You want to find ways to control it. And that's a legitimate argument we can all have. How do we control terrorism? Like, as we are on the show recording it, we have the latest episode in Nice, France, involving, yeah. what, several dozen people died because this huge truck mowed them down using some playbook from Al-Qaeda dating back to 2010. All right? So it's a legitimate argument. What do we do about it? Can we do anything about it? Because you have... A nut somewhere, one lone nut, does something crazy, does something nutty, does something horrific. Is it possible to control that? How do you stop one crazy person somewhere in the world from killing people? How do you do it? That's a big argument. It's a legitimate argument. But why do we worry about all this other stuff? In any case here, do you think technology at all is going to play any place in this election? Because obviously it looks like the Donald doesn't care so much about technology. Because Secretary Clinton true. does, of course, have a statement on it because she obviously is a policy wonk. I would think the only argument we're going to hear from Trump is that crooked Hillary made a national scandal of her email. But will there be anything else? I suspect you're right. I mean, Hillary Clinton's campaign, uh, when they had the, the the big reveal of this tech policy agenda, it was paired with the visit she made to a startup hub in Denver. She took 
all of one question from the press afterwards, which is, I would prefer stick around a little answer, maybe five. But anyways, after she gives this talk about, you know, we need to make America more welcoming to startups, you know, including founders of startups from overseas, which Trump doesn't seem to want anything to do with. The first question she got was about Benghazi, where that committee had finally concluded its latest study, which found no wrongdoing buyer. Yeah, I would love to see a campaign where tech, tech policy figured into it. That's just not the case. You sort of hope we get people who are good at tech policy by accident. And we do have a lot of people. Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, did not get elected to the Senate for his tech policy expertise, but he is one of the finest legislators we have. He's been consistently right on a lot of stuff, and I hope people of Oregon keep saying, keep uh, loaning him to D.C. for a little while longer. Well, that's part of it here. We have cybersecurity problems. We've had Dr. Timothy Summers, an ethical hacker, from Maryland on the show quite regularly. He'll be back on soon and we'll talk about security. Maybe we'll talk about email security. That might be interesting in light of the issue with regard to Hillary Clinton's email. Certainly we could learn about proper email practices from that. Whatever you think of her, what steps could you take if you get yourself a private email account with your favorite web host for $6 a month? Can you get secure email? What about Gmail? What about AOL? What about Yahoo Mail? I mean, that's a legitimate thing to talk about. So I did try to touch on a little bit of this in the piece I did about Clinton's emails, because this particular post for Yahoo Finance started out as just a general look at what you should do to keep your your data and your devices secure when you're traveling overseas. There are other countries in the world that uh, are good at hacking. You know, I, I went to Israel in January. I went to China in April. And so I thought, what what should I do to keep my stuff secure? And the hardcore advice you'll get is if you're some kind of a target, just don't use your computer, use your devices at all. Take an iPad. You can wipe and reset when you get back to the States. Not everybody can do this. Certainly not if you're a secretary of state traveling overseas. But the short answer, you know, you may have noticed that uh, James Comey specifically in give a shout out to Google's information security. And it's true. Gmail is a very secure system. They work very hard to keep that secure. You know, they've been way ahead of a lot of people in terms of things like supporting two-step verification, using TLS for uh, to encrypt mail in transit, you know, letting you know when you're going to send mail to somebody and the recipient won't get it TLS encrypted. So it'll travel in the clear across the internet. Yeah. So I, I may have to do a sort of more detailed look at what you should do when you're traveling overseas. But. What we could learn from this, because, you know, it's not a symptom of one political candidate, but the faults of government email in general, the systems they use. Look at that. That's a legitimate case. And then extend that to the private sector. Now, we use a company called Polaris Mail for my business email. It's a company based in Montreal. And it's not done to get my email out of this country. Although it's kind of funny because what happens is my wife quite often decides to contact me by email from one room to the next because she doesn't have to annoy me if no, I'm recording an there. episode. You don't have to explain that to me. <laughs> okay. okay, so her message, therefore, is leaving our her iPad, going to our ISP, and then ultimately going to Montreal and the servers run by Polaris Mail, and then back here. And we're in Arizona, near Mesa, Arizona, so it's going what? 5,000 miles to get from one room to the next? 
you should uh, run a trace route and see how many hops the data takes between, uh, you know, your computer and, and that mail server. And they use, they use all sorts of security features too. They've got good, all sorts of extra spam methods. They've got two factor authentication. Two factor merely means that when you log in, you have to use two devices. You have to use two devices. So say, Maybe you enter on your Mac or PC and then you've got to type some code on your iPhone or Samsung phone. That's two-factor authentication. I know some banks used to have, they give you a little card and you'd log in. Then from the card, you'd have to enter some kind of code. That's two-factor authentication. And what this means, it's more difficult for a hacker to get in there and try to log into your email account. So that's things that people can consider safe. What about Yahoo Mail? You're right for Yahoo. Is Yahoo Mail pretty secure? It has gotten a lot better. Like back in, just going back like five years ago, yeah, it was a mess. And and I wrote as such, you know, you had a situation where, this may have gone back like six years, you would have to turn on encryption to protect your, your access to the Yahoo Mail website. Otherwise, you know, your, your username and password would be passed securely. But then, you actually reading the email, anyone on the same Wi-Fi network could have snooped in on that. They made that the default. And basically not long after Marissa Meyer came in as CEO, the company has done a really good job from what I can see. They hired some very smart people. They got Alex Stamos as their chief information security officer. He's now with Facebook. And yeah, you know, the, the one thing where I'm sort of waiting to see what's going to come around is this project Yahoo's been working on with Google to ship an end-to-end encryption system for their webmail, which would let you send mail in complete security, not just encrypted in transit, but encrypted at rest. And that's a hard thing to do. Like I use uh, GPG Suite, a implementation of pretty good privacy on my MacBook and my iMac. And, and that is effective. And it's a million times easier to use than PGP used to be in the 90s. But normal people are not going to install a whole separate uh, you know, app to encrypt their mail. It's got to be something built in that they, they see where they, they already use their email in their web browser. So that's still in progress. Now, the long but, and short of it is here is that it should be customer-centric. The customer shouldn't have to know about POP and IMAP and all these ancient protocols and turning on SSL or TLS or all these features. It should be considered something that when you turn it on, that's it. We've got Rob Pigarero, more to come. We're focusing on email security now a little bit on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. The award-winning Graphic Converter 10, the universal genius for photo editing apps on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for the Swiss Army Knife app. It gives you all the features that you expect. And most important, it's easy to use. You can get it for just $39.95 from www.lemkesoft.com. That's www.lemkesoft.com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. 
Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury help desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention prescription antibiotic drug users. Have you or a loved one suffered an aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm after taking the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox? These popular antibiotic drugs have been prescribed more than 80 million times since 2004, and medical studies show an increased risk of the following injuries. Aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, and abdominal aortic aneurysm. If you or a loved one used the prescription antibiotic drugs Levaquin or Avalox and suffered from aortic dissection, aortic aneurysm, or abdominal aortic aneurysm, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. 800-823-3851. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So we have Rob Peguerero switching from Clinton email to the broader issue of email security. Don't you think that's correct here that when someone sets up a Yahoo account or an AOL account or a Gmail account or an Outlook account, they shouldn't have to think about all this. They should just set the thing up 
and know they're getting something that is good and secure. Because as soon as you have to say POP, BIMAP, TLS, SSL, the eyes glaze over. Yes. So my favorite mail security upgrade is TLS encryption. You don't have to do anything and it fixes a huge problem in that your messages no longer travel the internet as the equivalent of a postcard. You didn't have to install any software, flip any switches. And it's been particularly remarkable how many different mail operations have adopted this. And apparently one thing, we have to go Google some credit. Gmail started warning a year or so ago. If you started composing a message to a recipient whose mail system did not support TLS, transport layer security, you would see a little red open padlock icon in the message compose window in Gmail. And that kind of public shaming apparently worked because now I... I'll check, and I hardly ever see that. And that's with a wide variety of systems. Since we've been talking politics, I should note that I check the email addresses of Trump and Clinton campaign spokespeople, and their systems do support TLS. So they are on the ball with, with respect to that. Yeah, you, you want security that's just there, that does not get in your way, that works. And TLS does a remarkable job of that. Okay, so now at least, even though Clinton or the Donald probably don't know what any of this means, it's being set up correctly behind the scenes. Yes. And that's the way it should look to customers. What about somebody now? They've had the Gmail account for 10 years now. I don't know how many years. I have a Gmail account for maybe the hour after it went public in beta. Are there things we have to do to the AOL, the email from Gmail or Yahoo? Do we have to change things now to get access to the greater security? The big thing you have to do that's not the default is turning on two-step verification. And I get why people are nervous about it. It can be confusing to set up. You're thinking, wait, I have to have my phone with me all the time. How's this going to work? What is not obvious to people is that most of the time you do not see that. You know, it's pretty rare where Gmail says, oh, I need you to input the code from the authenticator app on your phone. You know, some implementations of two-step verification can be kind of bothersome like LastPass is very picky. You know, I'll, I'll say their, their system is a little annoying, but since this is a password manager that has a lot of sensitive stuff, I'm willing to work with that. That's okay. Um, on the other hand, yeah, there, there's lots of people who like, you know, relatives of mine, do they have two-step verification turned on for their Gmail? No, probably not. So in, in cases like that, you know, if you're providing tech support for people in your family, if you can't do that, Gmail does let you add like a second contact phone number, I guess. So at least if something changes with their account, you'll get a notification via text to your phone. You can then step in. Well, the thing I have here concerns about this is I'm looking over my iPhone now and things like Gmail, they have preset settings. So there's not much control I have over those. But in terms of my email provider, I know they have TLS because it's in their information. They have TLS. I see no option well, TLS, that should be op- that, that's not something that is user configurable. That's why I like because it's there all the time. You know, most of the stuff you can set in a mail system is, is going to be only at the client end. You know, you, you don't get to determine how your mail ser- service transmits your messages across the Internet. That's going to be hopefully TLS. But if there's a recipient who can't handle that, then it's going to go out in the clear. Hopefully it'll tell you that so you can maybe ask the other uh, party to get their act together. But what about also the companies who sell those $5 a month web hosting packages with email? What are they offering to people? Do people have the control of security or are they just getting such basic email that they have no control? 
Yeah, I don't know. The, when you're talking about mail from web hosting companies, that I just don't know. I haven't looked at it in a whole lot of detail. I've been using a Google Apps account for my work email for, for so long, I'm actually now paying for it. I exhausted the 15 gig cap, and so I, I tried to get the, the total mailbox size under 15 gigs by archiving a, bot, a lot of stuff to my desktop, but no luck, so I'm now paying 2 bucks a month. So I have a 100 gig cap, which hopefully I will not exceed it anytime soon. Yes, I know about caps. I have 25 gigs on each account from Polaris. As far as Gmail is concerned, one of the things that always bothered me about them is with a lot of email accounts, if I accidentally trash something, I could undo it. I can't do that with Gmail. I have to go back into the trash folder to find the message. Have you noticed that? Wait, how's that? All right, try it again. Say you accidentally trash a message in Gmail. You delete it. You send it to the trash. Now, on my Mac, I could just, you know, Command-Z, undo right. that. Well, that doesn't always work <laughs> in an OS 10 mail. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's, it's kind of a coin flip. It works with most services I use, but almost never with Gmail. Isn't yeah, that that's true. Yeah. I'm looking at Polaris Mail, by the way. They use a TLS certificate. Okay? So, that said, if you said automatically... They'll use a TLS certificate, so you don't have to worry about them. So I'm not selling them. It's like two dollars per email box. It's, you know, there's no reason. Well, you sell. sound like a happy customer. I hope everyone is happy with their mail service because, yeah, life is too short to. I mean, it's cheap. I pay for it like every three months for maybe forty dollars for every three months. So we're talking about fifteen and a half dollars a month. It's not like a, a big deal, or even less than that. It's like fourteen dollars a month. I'm paying for that service, so I'm really being extravagant. But And you get Gmail free, which is nice. Right. That's good. But I don't like having ads, but I don't use the online thing. If you don't use the web client, these free emails, they're not sending you ads anymore. They only send you ads if you go online. So even if you get the free Gmail, you use it on your Mac or PC or your android phone or iphone and you're just setting it up as a regular imap email client a normal way you never see the ads yep you don't have to worry about that absolutely and you get free free so that's it i have accounts with all of them and sometimes i merge max i'm noticing now even the isp accounts are starting to use more traditional security like cox and CenturyLink. i, I did a look at ISP email accounts a little while ago. I can't remember where. I think it was from a USA Today column. And it was kind of hard to see that, number one, you know, how many supported TLS, but also how many offered IMAP access, not just post office protocol, download only. Uh, and, you know, IMAP with a good storage cap, that's how your email should work. When else? You know, I don't think any of them do two-step verification. That's still, uh, you know, a real issue. And with, with cable accounts, where your cable login is also how you authenticate yourself to use TV everywhere services and cable Wi-Fi, you know, that's, (laughs) those logins get used for a whole lot of things. So I'm not too impressed with that overall approach to security. But in general, internet service provider provided mail accounts are not the terrible thing they used to be. If they had not sucked 20 years ago, (laughs) we might not have all switched to Gmail or Outlook.com or Yahoo Mail, but it's nice that they're trying to not be terrible at this point. Rob Peguerero, please tell our listeners where we can find more of the stuff you do. 
You can find me at Yahoo Finance, finance.yahoo.com, at usatoday.com. I write for the, I maintain a few different guides for the wire cutter. I've done a few things for Consumer Reports lately. And you can find me on Twitter as at Rob Peguerero. And my own humble corner of the web is robpeguerero.com. You can find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Night Owl. So look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter and you're going to find us there. You can also check us out on Facebook. Look for Gene Steinberg, the guy in the plaid shirt. That's me. We also have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast. And this week, my co-hosts and I are focusing on a shop talk. We talk about the state of the weird stuff at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. We also have Tech Night Owl Plus. What's that? We give you the commercial-free version of this show, special version of the show, better quality audio for a low subscription rate, monthly, annual, five years, even lifetime. Someone's lifetime. Anyway, learn more about it at plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot Rob Peguerero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. You're welcome. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.